welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable family of podcasts. I'm Trish. I'm Alan. And today we're going to be discussing episode 15, Exodus. Alan, can you give us a short, a short recap? Yeah, so uh, we start off uh, watching this alien family on a road trip, uh, and then a police officer pulls them over for a broken taillight and helpfully offers to fix it, except it's a trap to capture the aliens. Lyra, Wynn, Jimmy, Alex, and Maggie are at the alien bar when there's another raid to capture aliens. Alex, Maggie, and Jimmy fight back, but Lyra is captured. Turns out Cadmus is using the uh, list of aliens that they got last time to round all of them up and deport them to the other side of the universe. Kara wants to write a front page story about it, but she has no source other than Supergirl, which, as you should know, is Kara. So she starts a blog. John says the DEO has to treat Jeremiah Danvers as hostile. Everyone agrees, except Alex. She's worried about something. She interrogates one of those guys from the Cadmus Raids Jack Bauer style by beating him to a pulp. Uh, almost. John suspends her for doing that, so Alex and Maggie trying to find Cadmus on their own. Lena Luther decides to go through Elcorp files to try and find Cadmus, so her mother tries to stop her, except it almost kills her, but Supergirl saves her, fortunately. Alex and Maggie stop another Cadmus team trying to abduct an alien bookie, and they find Cadmus. Jeremiah decides to save save Alex. There's a big fight. Jeremiah is missing, and Alex is launched into space with the other aliens. Supergirl pushes the ship back, and Kara is fired, but it's okay because she's Supergirl and has mono. Okay, uh, thank you. All right, so... Uh, that was probably pretty confusing, but... Uh, <laughs> well, it was a little confusing episode, but uh, let's, let's start with... Uh, just talk about themes for a little bit. First of all, what really stri struck me about this episode was how political Supergirl is getting. Um, of course, we started season one with basically yay girls, girl power style feminism. Uh, this season, uh, we've seen a lot more about um, politics creeping in with the uh, several villains calling Supergirl a nasty woman with obvious callbacks to the pres presidential campaign uh, in the U.S. this year. And, uh, of course, what, what the Cadmus raids on the aliens made me think about was the ice, ice crackdowns. Yes, uh, right. So uh, this is certainly more political than any of the other Berlantiverse shows that I've seen. And I don't know... I, maybe they figure that the overlap of conservatives watching Supergirl is very small, so they feel freer to do this kind of thing. I'm not sure, but I think it's very interesting that they're willing to take such a bold stance. Yes, I agree with you completely. And, you know, like you, I was also struck when they used the nasty woman retort against Supergirl in the previous episodes. And also during the opening scene, I thought immediately of an ice ray. And at first I wondered if I was overthinking this just because I've been hearing so much about ice raids in the news. But then when the episode progressed, you got Snapper Carr talking about fake news. You had Alex accusing Cadmus of deporting the aliens and here uh, I guess if you're 
new to Supergirl for some reason, we should say we mean actual aliens, like from space, not immigrants. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I guess we should explain that. So there are many aliens living in secret on on Earth, and um, there was a little bit of turmoil about that last season, but eventually the president said, no, aliens are fine, we, we don't have a problem with that. Uh, the fictional president. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, so... Who's so, a woman, by the way? Like, Linda Carter is the president, right? So it's a woman. And right. Then, and then Supergirl, I think, makes makes a, a remark about how could they ever vote for that other guy? Uh, right. <laughs> so that's what's going on here. There's this uh, evil secret group called Cadmus, which is very much against the aliens and is trying to get rid of them all. Um, and in the episode, uh, Jeremiah says that they actually wanted to kill all the aliens on Earth, but that Jeremiah uh, himself talked them into just deporting them via, via this uh, captured spaceship that they just happened to have lying around. I didn't really understand where that came from, but okay. So supposedly it, it was merciful that they're just taking all these refugees and tourists and whatever they are and sending them off into space somewhere. Yes, and I mean, another thing that tipped me off uh, about like how political the show was, was that when Jeremiah explains himself to Alex and says that, you know, it's a much more humane move than killing all the aliens outright, which, okay, at least you're not slaughtering people. <laughs> but I mean, so Alex pushes back, right? She says that, you know, a lot of these aliens, some of them escaped famine, civil war, horrible situations on their planet. And that, again, you know, just there's so many callbacks to the whole, you know, immigration debate that we're having in the US right now. Yes. Yes. So um, uh, I should say that I'm pretty uh, pleasantly surprised that they're doing all this. I'm, I'm not I'm not at all saying why are they putting politics in my superhero show, um, but uh, but I am just a little surprised that they're being so overt about it. But I guess that's good. We certainly need different types of shows, and if they're wanting to take a different path than some of the other Berlanti shows, I'm just fine with that. I agree. I quite like how they put it in this episode. Again, I, I, I'm with you that this is a pretty bold choice for a big network show, right? So it's not, it, it, well, it, the CW, I guess, isn't as big as CBS, but, you know, it's still, you know, kind of a, a wholesome superhero show that a lot of people watch, I, I presume. And so, uh, I, yes, it's, it's also noteworthy. I think that they're taking such a bold stance. I will say that this stands a little in contrast. I don't, uh, do you watch Arrow Trish? Hardly ever. I I used to watch it, but it's so dark, and so many people make bad decisions on it oh, <laughs> for I, plot reasons. I just uh, so certainly I haven't watched any this season. Yeah, I completely sympathize. I was just gonna say uh, we don't have to go into it now, but um, so uh, there was a previous episode on Arrow that was all about gun control, and so you know there was a whole gun violence, gun control debate on that, and and so that was another instance of where one of the CW sh- superhero shows were very much you know trying to comment on current affairs, and I. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, you know, it's more overt and more timely on Supergirl. I liked this episode more than I liked the Arrow episodes. But in general, I do appreciate the uh, effort to include uh, some of these current events. Like you, you know, I, I don't have any complaints about this. I do wonder, you know, how well this will work when people, you know, rewatch this show years from now. But as of this episode, I really like it. Right. 
And I will say that is one that seems to be one bonus of moving to the CW from CBS because I can't imagine that CBS would be comfortable with taking this kind of direction uh, this year. Agreed. I don't think uh, CBS executives would want to make such again. Even though you know CBS isn't isn't Fox, but you know I I don't think they CBS would be as comfortable as the CW with having this kind of messaging on their shows. Right. Well, CW presumably has younger viewers than CBS a lot of the time. So uh, and the young slant a little more liberal than uh, than probably CBS. Uh, older viewers do oh and and you brought up a good point when saying this on the cw because a uh, jane the virgin is also on the cw and that show also you know at times right. quite overtly comments on politics uh, particularly because you know the jane the virgin you know is about um a, a latino family and so you know they they make very clear references to immigration yes. and so on Okay, well, I guess we should talk a little more about the plot of, of the show. Yeah. Uh, things that struck me fairly early on when they were talking after the first stop, uh, after the first ice raid stop, and in DEO they were talking about what to do about this. I liked that Mono was actually coming up with suggestions, uh, which seemed to be more than a lot of other people were doing. Um, um, someone had to remind Kara to try using CatCo to bring publicity to this, to this situation, since, of course, DEO didn't want to out itself by going public about the problem. Um, <laughs> I guess, uh, we, we get a lot more journalism in this episode. Uh, oh, yes, we can, you're a copy editor, right? We can talk a lot about journalism in this episode. Actually, I'll start off talking a little bit about this, uh, with, um, the suggestion to have Snapper interview Supergirl so that it wouldn't be Kara using her one-source Supergirl uh, uh, to give a little more distance. I was kind of expecting Snapper to figure out during that interview that Supergirl was Kara, but nothing was said about that. Um, but I did like how firmly he told her that, you know, uh, you know, you have to give me some details or, you know, a face-to-face interview is is just as useless as you know um a a an unnamed source is if you don't give me details if you don't give me other leads to follow to to try to confirm what you are saying then i'm not going to go with this interview so i was pleased with that tack that he was taking and with further developments later on in the story <laughs> yes i am also with you that i liked that you know, uh, that first Kara brought up having uh, the idea of having Snapper interview Supergirl because Snapper is at least, uh, well, he's one step removed. Kara is zero steps removed from Supergirl. But um, yes, I mean, uh, in terms of the, dis- the disguise, I guess the glasses are really effective. People can't imagine other people without wearing glasses. So uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why uh, no one seems to realize that... Uh, Kara might be Supergirl. I will say though, uh, and and again, I think Snapper makes some really good points, and he is uh, completely right about how to go about this as a journalist. I think he's right that you need multiple sources to confirm what you're saying. But my, you know, uh, my complaint about Snapper is I wish that he could have a little bit more depth because he, like, he 
is of the right mind. You know, he has the right ideas about how to be a reporter, but he is such an a on the show. His one character trait <laughs> is being an a in that. So even though, you know, my journalist uh, side of me agrees with what he's saying, but as a viewer, I just dislike everything he does because he has, you know, no empathy whatsoever. He doesn't do anything aside from just being the stodgy old stick in the mud who says this is how you should do things or, or else you're not a proper journalist. So I wish that if they had you know, given a little more depth to Snapper in some way, maybe, you know, uh, show that he's not just a journalism robot, then, you know, he would be a, a bit more interesting as a character. But uh, so I think he's right on how to go about this, but I just don't like him because he's too one-dimensional. Well, to be fair, we have seen him give little little smirks and things after after he says something tough to Takara and she learns a lesson. I've seen him give a little private smirk after she turns away. So I think his tough old codger presentation really is just an act that he puts on to try and and goad people. Now Oppositional mentorship is not always the best kind of mentorship. Agreed. Uh, but um, I I don't think it's completely accurate to say that he's one-dimensional. Uh, I just think that he mainly chooses to present one dimension to Kara, who kind of needs it because she is so convinced of her own rightness sometimes that she needs uh, firm arguments to make her stop and listen sometimes. I think you're right. I think there are, you know, more nuances to Snapper. I guess, uh, for me, why I feel like it's one-dimensional is that those, you know, little nuances, little, uh, bits of emotion is so much outweighed by, you know, almost mm -hmm. every line he says is trying to put down Kara in some way. And again, you know, uh, he's right. You know, this is how you, how you go about this. But, uh, I don't know. He, he just seems, you know, to be, you know, just purely an oppositional character. Uh, thus far and I, I i i hope that maybe we get you know a bit more uh, fleshing out of what he's like you know what motivates him and so on later in the show i would love to see that but i fear that because of what happened toward the end of this episode that we may not see much more of him at all but prove me wrong cw <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so moving moving ahead in the plot with the alien bar scene um once again, I'm annoyed that James seems to have nothing better to do with his time as a CEO of a multimedia empire than to hang out with in a bar. Although, you know, I guess you can have some off time, but given that almost all I ever see him doing is being Guardian, hanging out at the DEO. Anyway, this is just one of my uh, angry hobby horses. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's a CEO just like Bruce Wayne is a CEO, so he does <laughs> almost nothing and just watches the money roll in. Maybe, maybe. I mean, certainly Catco gave him a good setup to ride, but it just disturbs me. Anyway, yeah. moving on from that, I did like his line when he was meeting Lyra about how well she speaks when meaning that, you know, she really gets win and uh, they seem to be a good couple. I liked that. But I really don't know why anyone hangs out in this bar <laughs> anymore, given what a target it seems to be for 
uh, villains of every description. Yes, I also liked that line about, you know, how well uh, Lyra speaks when that was a nice touch. And uh, I mean, about the bar, I guess if people still come to it after there have been multiple attacks, you know, fist fights, and I think there's like one, uh, I forgot, gas attack or something. If people still come to this bar, then I guess they are hardcore dedicated patrons. <laughs> I guess so. Maybe they just have really great drink specials or something. But I, I well, these are drinks to... prepared by Monel, right? Who couldn't even tell what 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 water was. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah. And so the ice people took the uh, uh, aliens off in the van, and I was wondering where Guardian's bike is. He's had a motorcycle in other episodes, so why didn't he follow the people here? But uh, consistency is not a huge strong point, at least where Guardian is concerned. Yeah, I will say that of all the Guardian appearances we've had thus far, this one seemed, you know, there wasn't as much of Guardian and he did something useful. So this, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by how not annoyed I was at Guardian making a, an appearance. <laughs> okay, well, that's good, at least. All right, so so then um, Jeremiah uh, shows up. Well, there's, there's the interview that... Uh, that Snapper refused to pursue, which we already discussed. And then there was the, uh, Jeremiah showed up in Alex's apartment and, um, told her that he did it to prove his loyalty. He did, he stole the registry to prove the loyalty, yada, yada. And Alex, except, yes, Alex, Alex is cool with that. And then it turns out, no, it wasn't Jeremiah. It was John Jones all along. So I applauded his trap and applauded his suspension of Alex. (laughs) Yes, I think, I mean... So I I hate to say this, but I think John did make the right call in suspending Alex because, I mean, she is so emotionally attached to, you know, proving that there's some good to Jeremiah that she really can't do her job as well at this point. Uh, And and on a different note, this goes back to uh, something that we talked about in the last recap, but I think, so seeing that scene and then some of the other scenes in this episode really... Uh, for me, emphasize how good of an actor Kyler Lee is because even though you know I I disagree with her, I can feel and understand her frustration with you know trying to find Jeremiah and prove that there's some good in him, and and so I feel like that from this scene and and maybe the last scene in particular, you get a really good range of emotions uh, that I that I as a viewer am really sold on, and that to me shows how good of an actor she is. I agree with you. Uh, I certainly don't always agree with Alex's choices, but I always feel that they're coming from a real place in her, um, that she's she's never going through the motions. She she always has a reason for what she does, even if I disagree with what what she chooses. Yeah, so I really like this, and I hope that they continue to develop more of Alex as a character because I think she is a very strong character that I want, that I really do want to continue to see more of in the show. Right. Okay, so back at Catco, Lena shows up to take Kara out for kombucha, and I was actually, that was like two seconds of plot, but I was really pleased with it because I've said on previous podcasts that, um, 
I would really like to see them develop developing a friendship beyond just going to each other when they need something. And this uh, signaled that, you know, maybe they are having some kind of social interactions uh, outside of, of their uh, needing each other for things. So, so just that two seconds of plot was enough to make me happy about something, which is just an interesting um, sidelight on, on how, how, how writers can make a difference with just very little effort. They can make a show more deep and more interesting. Yes, I really, I mean, even though we didn't get to see the, you know, I'm sure very charming scene of Lena <laughs> and, and Kara going out for drinks or something, I will say just adding on to uh, what you were saying, you know, from what Lena Luther does in this episode and from previous ones, you know, uh, I, I really like her on the show as well, you know, uh, from the way that she tracked down Cadmus by going through company records, you can see that she's smart, she's resourceful, she's, mm-hmm. pers- she's persistent up to the point where you know her mother has to try and stop her so i feel that you know she's another really strong supporting character in the supergirl cast and i uh, again would like to see more of her i really agree with that and i also think she's valuable in that she gives a slight bit of nuance to the whole alien argument you have evil cadmus and uh idealistic kara and in the middle, you have uh, Lena, who wants to build alien detectors, you know, is, and, and Kara thinks she's wrong about that, but it, it at least shows that, you know, you don't have to be evil to be worried about these super being, super powered beings, you know, just hanging out on Earth. And, you know, you may not be right or wrong about it, but you, you at least don't have to be evil to have a non-Kara uh, trust everybody <laughs> outlook <Yeah>. on life <laughs> yeah that's right and i mean yeah i i and and i think you make a really good point in that you know she could at some point serve as a good foil to play against uh kara's sometimes uh overly idealistic uh bordering on naive beliefs right right okay so then next we saw the next uh, abduction scene with i think it was brian the alien dealing with bets on his phone under an underpass or something which yeah. i don't know why he chooses that place but anyway it's a good maybe that's the only place with good cell reception where he's <laughs> maybe maybe so but anyway it chooses it proves to be a vulnerable spot as uh cadmus comes up and and plays the same headlight thing or taillight thing and uh starts to capture him but apparently D.O. or Alex and Maggie, anyway, have been staking out this guy. I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, Maggie has run into him with legal problems before or something, and so she's just... Who who knows? There's no explanation of why they chose this time and place to stake out. Right. But anyway, they... They They managed to uh, take out the Cadmus people, and then uh, they plugged in what looks like their GPS into the Cadmus GPS, and that gives them all the locations that the Cadmus van has been in, and then that's how they managed to find the Cadmus lair. Right, right. So then it turns out that Lena's assistant is a spy for Cadmus, which I'm sure... I don't think they find that out by the end of the episode, so I guess that no, will... No, I don't think I don't think they find that out either. Right, so that will probably continue to be a point. The the whole thing about uh we we hear from Jeremiah, I guess that uh forcible deportation was better than death at least. Yeah, which I guess right, but uh it doesn't make <laughs> it 
a good thing. Right. But anyway, I I wonder why Jeremiah is so great that they force him to work under duress by threatening his children instead of just getting some somebody else. I mean, I just don't see why he is such an asset that he that they would even bother with that. I mean, I guess he's an asset because Alex is gone on him, so he's able to waltz into DEO and stuff. But uh, it bothers me a bit that Jeremiah, who is not a tech wizard as far as I can see, you know, is not... I, I just don't see why he's such an important plot hinge for other people to revolve around. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think that's, you know, they're trying to uh, make us believe that Jeremiah really is a tech wizard because, you know, the whole the whole thing with the uh, nuclear fusion bomb in the last episode, right, where Jeremiah said that, oh, he's the only person who could have helped the, who could have helped Cadmus develop that bomb. And so I'm wondering if, you know, by lines like that, they're trying to make us believe that Jeremiah really is this, uh, tech genius that the, that uh, Cadmus has to uh, rely on for their world dominating plans. Uh, even though we've seen no evidence of that thus far, we just have to uh, take it uh, apart. T- take 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 the writers on their word, basically that Jeremiah is somehow indispensable to Cadmus. I suppose I just would have liked to see a little more support for that somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on, we have a scene where uh, Monel calls out. I'm home as he comes into Kara's apartment, which made me sit up and say, what, are they living together already after, as far as I know, just one night together? That seems awfully fast and sudden to me. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe maybe they have a different idea of how relationships progress. I mean, uh, it, 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 <laughs> it's, it's their choice. Maybe, maybe to them, you know, uh, living together after, you know, essentially hooking up i mean or maybe that there's a lot more of you know cara monel romance that uh i imagine is there but just wasn't seen on the show right so yeah i guess they didn't show us staying up all night talking after their their uh initial hookup or whatever so yeah maybe there's just more to it but it, it startled me a little bit or maybe maybe he just considers himself home wherever he goes <laughs> yeah Anyway, so then they have the discussion where uh, he does a pretty good job of talking to Kara about choices, you know, ask yourself whether it's the right thing to do. Of course, I think it was the wrong thing to do personally, but, you know, it was a good way for him to uh, be supportive of her exploring her choices. Yeah. So then uh, Kara decides to publish her her blog caradonvers.com uh alerting to the world to the dangers of the alien raids by cadmus yeah so about that i have so many things to say about this so <laughs> okay all right uh, let's start so i will start off uh, by again a- agreeing that i think it that was a nice moment for monel to have uh, i think i was complaining maybe a little bit too much in the past recap about how you know monel hasn't done much to earn kara he hasn't done much to show that he's a really you know supportive boyfriend and i think in this 
like in this moment, you know, you you do see that Mono is starting to develop. He's not, you know, constantly trying to punch people anymore. You do see him as a more emotionally mature character, and I like that. He he's he's a good, you know, support character for Kara to have. So about publishing anonymously, I think well, not even anonymously, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. She's publishing apart from her journalism job. She has her own blog that she's just starting. Uh, with an article that uh, Snapper specifically told her not to write. Yeah, so again, this is this is media talk, right? But there are so many other ways for her to accomplish the same goal, right? She could yes. have uh, just, you know, so she wants to get a warning out there, right? Why can't she just buy a front page ad in this paper of record? <laughs> We've already established that this place for really values their newspapers, and I'm assuming that like all shadowy fictional government organizations, the DEO has unlimited resources, so they could buy a front page ad in every <laughs> single paper and buy like primetime TV ads uh, on whatever networks the people watch in an alien bar. That's a perfectly fine way to accomplish the same goal of broadcasting a warning without Kara having to risk her job. And yeah, she could have published anonymously. She could have leaked it to another another publication. There are... Yeah, we never see any other publications besides CatCo on this show, and that feels dreadfully unbalanced to me. <laughs> right. So, I mean... Oh, well, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, like, there are so many other ways to, to do what Kara is doing without uh, risking her job, so, uh, and again, I, you know, her heart really is in the right place, I feel for her, uh, I empathize with what she's doing, but, you know, there are, you could have done this without losing your job. <laughs> Absolutely. There there are, uh, as you listed some, you know, many other ways that she could have approached this problem. And her heart is in the right place. But she could have asked Maggie to investigate this sudden rash of families missing, going missing on their commutes. Um, right, she could have leaked to another organization. There's, there's just a lot that she could have done. But she just went uh, on her own path and... I think that uh, she definitely deserved to get fired for what she did. Yeah, and I mean, so to go back to another point we were talking about earlier, you know, so she mentions this to Lena, right? And so Lena thinks of a much smarter way of pursuing this, basically by going through company records and tracking down Cadmus. So even if she had talked to Lena and confided in her, you know, Lena, I think, would have come up with a smarter way to, again, get at the same goal of saving the aliens uh, without uh, risking Kara's job. Yes, Kara went the wrong way about this. And even if she felt like, you know, it was such an urgent problem that she uh, had to take immediate action. There are still better ways that she could have done it, but even if she did the thing that she did, she not she should not have been surprised at the results. Yeah, like or she could have done a Facebook Live as Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could have gone to another TV station as Supergirl and said, here's this thing, and I'm sure that since none of the other stations get to talk to Supergirl ever, they would have gone live with her about whatever she wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I guess that's enough about that for the moment. So, so, so that 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 will be our media industry commentary for this episode. <laughs> okay. So then we have Alex who has snuck onto the alien spaceship, um, 
and they of course eventually find her there what i want what i really expected her to do was shoot the computer monitors to stop the launch of the spaceship, <laughs> yeah. since that seems to work for other computers on this show. <laughs> yes. But she didn't. She was calling Wynn and asking him how to stop the launch. Well, so... these are alien computers, so maybe their monitors aren't <laughs> actually, uh, rep- don't rep- don't actually represent the entire computer. <laughs> and so she doesn't manage to stop the launch. The, the ship takes off with her and the aliens on it. And Supergirl, of course, tries to uh, stop this. And once again, we see a demonstration of the incredible variability of Supergirl's strength, where in some episodes, random aliens can fight her, you know, with their fists and send her flying across streets and, and otherwise, you know, show that she... She's not all that strong, but here she has the power to stop a taking off spaceship with just flying, pushing against it. And I was, I was irritated not only because of their, you know, once again, showing how variable her strength is, but also it was fighting stupid. She, we saw that she was able to freeze one of the ship cannons, you know, use her cold vision and, and freeze and shatter that. Why didn't she attack the engines like that? Why did she do the stupidest thing, which was get in front of the ship and push back against its direction of travel instead of doing anything smarter to try and, and uh, stop the launch? I am with you 100%. I think that there could have been, an, uh, again, there could have been another way around it. But I will add, uh, I while I share in your uh, irritation and concern about uh, Kara's lack of imagination about her stopping her <laughs> obstacles, I, I will say that the scene of her pushing the ship back and when Alex held out her hand and Kara put it next to hers, that was... Um, I mean, a really emotional scene, and you get back, you know, to, and you, you basically see uh, Kara and Alex, you know, they can't talk to each other. You can only hear one of them talk at one time because Kara is out in space and Alex is trapped inside the ship. So just by the way that they look at each other, you get the incredible depth of the relationship between the two of them. And that, you know, I feel that that's one of the strongest relationships on the show, and um, and 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 one of the strongest points of the show. I feel like of all the CW shows, uh, superhero shows I'm watching, there's no relationship that I feel quite as invested in as the one between Alex and Ka- and and Kara, and I really like that. And also the music that they use, you know, that that track that that track gets me every time. It's the same music that we had back in season one when she was fighting Red Tornado and then you cut back to the montage of her parents saying goodbye to her and her planet and her planet blowing up. That track is called Harnessing Anger in the season one soundtrack and it makes me stop every time I get to it. And so uh, even though it was uh, they, they got to Kara pushing the ship back uh, because she couldn't think of anything else. It l- did lead up to a very emotional, uh, almost a gut-punching moment for me. I felt that that worked out well. Okay. You haven't quite convinced me because that wasn't what I was feeling at the time, but I'm certainly yeah. 
I'm happy that it worked for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it well, it worked for me. I mean, it may it may just be the music. I mean, or or, or I mean, I, I have to imagine that when they shot the scene, that the visual of Supergirl outside pushing back that must have been shot digitally somehow. So so you don't actually have Kara and Alex looking at each other when they're shooting it. And so, but I but in that moment, I do feel like. You know that the eye contact is there, so 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 that worked for me. It, it may have been the music, but you know I, I thought that that was uh, a situation that could have been easily avoided. But uh, the emotional high did work for me. Good. Yeah. Okay. So Kara gets back to Catco, and the stuff is already boxed up from her desk, and she's fired. And I actually cheered out loud. <laughs> oh. And then uh, Alex... You're definitely and... a manager, a managerial position in uh, the video industry. <laughs> <laughs> then Alex and Jean talked, and he apologized for suspending her, and I booed. <laughs> yeah, he did not need to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, it's his choice whether to unsuspend her or not, but to actually apologize for giving her a loyalty test that she failed, I, uh, I wasn't real pleased with that. Okay, so then Monel and Kara have pot stickers, and she says she doesn't want another job because reporting is her calling, which I've never been convinced of. But anyway, I don't know whether she's going to try and do com as a job now and and get paid, support herself through Patreon. <laughs> or advertising. <laughs> Or will she go to work for the DEO full-time, since that seems to be mostly what she does anyway, or what? I don't know. Um, but we're, we'll probably spend even less time at CatCo for the rest of the year, and I'm sorry if that means we see a lot less of Snapper, but uh, may, maybe it won't uh, bring up so many irritating plot points for me to <laughs> live through as I watch the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Uh... Like you, I was never, you know, too convinced that Kara's one true calling in life was being a reporter. Uh, but again, if she does want to continue uh, reporting, then, you know, yeah, she could continue writing for her blog. She could uh, write for a different publication somehow. I think there are many ways uh, she could continue doing that work if she wants to. And I am, uh, I don't feel too much of a loss uh, if we don't see much more of Snapper Car and Catco, really, I feel like Catco was a good uh, place to have on the show, primarily because it gave us more scenes of Cat Grant. And if Cat Grant isn't on the show anymore, then I don't feel like we're losing anything by losing Catco as you know a place where stuff happens on the show. Right. Okay. So then, then we have the very ending scene where we see Terry Hatcher. And Kevin Sorbo as uh, presumably Daxamites on their way to take back the Prince of Daxam, whom we all know, although Supergirl does not, uh, is Monel. Yeah, so Terry Hatcher, did she play Lois Lane? She did in Lois and Clark. And Kevin Sorbo, I don't think, has ever been associated with any DC property, but of course he's longtime genre actor in uh, The Legends of Hercules and um, that science fiction show I can't remember the oh, name right. of, where he was the captain of a spaceship that got frozen in time and then brought forward and stuff. I'll uh, probably think of it after the show. Uh, all but, right. <laughs> 
But anyway, uh, uh, exciting to see both of those. I have seen online uh, that they are supposed to actually be Monel's parents, and I don't know if that's true or not, but they will certainly be major players since they are major cameos. Um, so uh, fun to see them appear, and I'm very excited about what will happen next with them. Yeah, likewise excited. Again, I didn't watch Lewis and Clark. I know uh, Terry Hatcher from Desperate Housewives, which I really liked at the time, and also from the voice acting she did on uh, the animated film Coraline. Both films, she played mothers, very different kinds of mothers, so if she ends up being Monel's parents, then yeah, I, I expect a good performance from her. Right. And I didn't look it up, but it came to me. Uh, Andromeda was the name of the science fiction series. Uh, oh, I think Lisa Lisa was on an episode of Unjustly Maligned defending Andromeda. Yes, yes. So if you want to know more about Andromeda, check out the Unjustly Maligned uh, episode. And it was a fun episode to listen to. I heard it too, because I did used to watch that show back in the day. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I, I hope it won't just be a one and done episode with, uh, whatever happens with these people finally confronting Monel, and, uh, I don't know if they'll say, yay, we finally found you, or what have you been doing wasting time out here, we need you back on Dax. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are all sorts of possibilities for what's going to happen. Is he going to try to fight to stay on Earth, or will he just surrender and have a sad hug goodbye with Kara, or what? Uh, so there are lots of interesting possibilities out there, and like I said, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens, and I hope that the resolution of this whole Prince of Daxum thing is worthy of the season-long build-up that we've had for it. Right. I will say that that's never been uh, the most interesting part of Mon-El for me, him being this lost prince. So yes, I also uh, likewise hope that the payoff we get from this being teased for so far is worth uh, the build-up. Or, you know, uh, or, and, and another thing that just came to mind, maybe... Uh, his parents will say, uh, you know, Monel, you're treating women respectfully. You're not punching people. You've kind of gone soft as a Daxamite. Are you sure you're still related to us? <laughs> yes, uh, that's definitely going to be a point of uh, whether... Well, first of all, we'll find out whether all this nice guy stuff has just been a put-on to try to entice Kara. And, and which I kind of don't feel it may have started out that way initially, but I feel like he has genuinely tried to be more understanding and empathetic, at least toward the, the last half of the season or so, you know, so if it is a genuine change in him, will he try to fight to stay the way he is now? Will he try to change Daxum society when he gets back? Because I'm sure he's going back eventually. They're not going to let him stay on Earth. Um, so, so all that is interesting, and I hope 
we get to see some of it. Yeah, I, I feel like I hope that Monel really has changed because again, you know, seeing that growth in him, you know, to this episode in particular being a much more better supporting character, you know, to the point in the DEO where he was the one to suggest that everyone take a deep breath instead of punching a wall. You know, I feel like that that shows how much he's grown as a character and, and, and I, 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 and I like that and that made me much more interested in him again. Uh, even though in the last recap, I really did kind of bash him for being you know just one note so <laughs> I, I i i i i hope he continues to show that kind of nuance that he does in this episode right i hope so too well hopefully we will find out soon and uh, or maybe already by the time this podcast airs i don't know but anyway it's been great discussing it with you ellen and i hope we get to do it again sometime and so thank you ellen thank you it was my pleasure to be on And thank you to all of our listeners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.